0: Welcome to The Wellness Way with me, Philly J. Lay, a layperson's guide to your natural health systems, your very own NHS. Hello, lovely people, and I have another fantastic guest on today. This is a man that I came across in 2020. Uh, I've spoken before about how um, my friend Suzanne Jane Taylor introduced me to Soma Breath. And I did a retreat in one of those uh, lockdown things. Um, And this guy was on the retreat and he just made me laugh. And I've got a smile on my face now because we've just said hello for five minutes before we started recording. And he just makes me laugh. Uh, And what I loved about Greg Mannion is that uh, he he takes all the kind of woo-woo shit out of meditation. You know, a lot of it is kind of very serious and very straight. Uh, and, and Greg just goes for it. He just goes for it the whole time. And he he has completely transformed my life. And now I say this about a lot of my guests, but he has. And so I'm going to tell you why. Um, after that retreat, I signed up with Soma, uh, and I'm now a, a Soma Breathwork coach. But I also signed up for Greg Mannion's course with Infinite Breath to learn how to write meditations, uh, and you know a lot, lots of courses and um, things teach you to do breath work, uh, and you know all the benefits of breath work, the science behind it, which is just extraordinary. But very few of those courses teach you to actually write them. But not just write a meditation, but to, how to deal with. Um, people really. I think that's a, a fair um and how to deal with film. And I I'm I before I bring you on, I, I don't know if you remember this, Greg, but one of the first exercises we had on that course was to film ourselves and put it in the group. And I couldn't do it. I think I was about a month after everybody else because I just I didn't have the courage to do it. But times have a change, and I want to bring on the fantastic Mr Greg Mannion. <laughs>
1: I will applaud myself because that's what I get people (laughs) to call the sessions. Nice one. Hello. Uh, What an introduction. I like it. And yeah, going back to the beginning with you, there was shyness there, but also not shyness because when you start talking, you can really go for it. But uh, there was a little bit of shyness. Um, but you definitely, definitely, definitely came out of your skin when you were writing and performing those meditations. Changed a lot, man. It was really good. I enjoyed so, it. So
0: well, this is, we'll talk about the course later on in the episode. Right. But uh, just a massive thank you, mate. And uh, because of Greg, I've got my album out, "The Wellness yeah. Awakening," um, which again I'm going to talk about later. But first of all, let's get to know Greg Mannion.
1: Okay. So what what would you like to know? Where would you like to start?
0: Well, I'd like you to start with your story. What took you on this journey into, you know, I mean, it's a lot more than breath work, but, uh, you know, you had quite a bit of shit in your life, didn't you? You had um, quite a traumatic childhood. I don't think that's an understatement. Um, You can talk about that or not. That's your choice. Um, But it led you on a path to alcoholism
1: yes um okay well uh yeah let's go let's go right to the shit I love, <laughs> it. I love it the shit okay but um yeah so well i i was born in um just outside of liverpool i was actually born on the coast in a place called formby and when i was eight we moved into liverpool my dad was from manchester mom from liverpool so i had a mixture we moved into the city rather i had a mixture of the countryside when i was a kid which i really loved it was a great place to grow up as a kid And then the Liverpool culture and lifestyle, which I really love and loved as to grow up in up until I started traveling. I've always been like moving around the world quite a lot since I was about 20. But yeah, when I was young, when I was nine, my mum died um, and I'm one of three. I'm the youngest. And obviously I didn't know them, but it does, it it still does um, affect me slightly, but you know, not like every day or not much to be honest, but if we're talking about our story, it's an important part. And whether that has led me towards alcoholism or not i don't know and just to point out it's about nine and a half years now being sober you could say i'm an alcoholic you could say i'm a recovered alcoholic so i've done the steps i feel like i'm not going to drink but i call it the one percent rule um which is like i genuinely have no desire and i don't mind being around drinkers I'm i'm out and about all the time i enjoy it but my story,
0: Congratulations, first of all, massive congratulations on that, Greg.
1: Thanks. Yeah, it's weird because after a while, it's not necessarily a time thing because a lot of people in AA and I still go because I respect what it is and it's been an amazing foundation for me. It's uh, more like a thinking thing as well. I mean, we can trap ourselves quite a lot with repetitive thoughts and patterns and resentments and things. So I go in there, and number one that I got quite early in AA is the opposite of addiction is connection. And if you're addicted to any substance or to a high level like I was, you're probably going to be alone at the end of it, whether that's a couple of weeks or a couple of years. Let's The last couple of years of drinking were extremely severe. I live in Spain, Barcelona. That's where I was living at the time. Um, so having the connection in AA is, is a beautiful thing. It's a funny little place and a lot of people don't get it. And I understand that. And I don't believe in God because it isn't about God. People sometimes misunderstand that. But it helps you get out of your head to have some kind of higher power, something to think those things away. But anyway, time-wise, I just, yeah, it's not the most important thing, but I'm sober and I feel pretty good about that. I don't want to drink. Um, go back... So basically, yeah, I traveled a little bit. I went to Australia, Bali. I lived in Amsterdam. I lived in Italy. I lived in Spain in my 20s. And then I was in Brighton in the, sorry, yeah, my late 20s. I met um, a girlfriend at the time and we lived together. And then she moved back to Barcelona. And then uh, when she left, I was like, oh, what's what's happened? What have I done? Kind of my fault. And a month later, being very impulsive, I was in Barcelona with the cat. With everything I owned in a car, just drove there, and I was supposed to stay in my friend's place, because i have been there before, um, for about a month, Well, I looked for a place. Fast forward, eight years later, and a hell of a lot of drinking, and good times, I'm not against drinking and going out, and, you know, really good times, but also a very, someone described it well, I think it was Anthony Hopkins where he says, it gives you energy. You can do things if you you know, I wasn't drinking at 18 and all of a sudden I was off it. No, it was probably late 20s, early 30s, it was becoming a problem. It's got it's the scorpion's tail. So you're enjoying it, you feel great, but then all of a sudden this, the tail will come round and sting you right in the ass before you know it, for whatever reason, and it's never usually one reason. Now I've looked into addiction more, we're always avoiding emotion or avoiding certain feelings, avoiding traumas and stuff. Whatever it is, you get to a point. If you are an alcoholic or addicted to certain substances, there's, there's some kind of emotional trauma and traumas, and it's a bit of a heavy word, but can be small things as well that you're covering. But it needs. is, yeah. Yeah, but then eventually it turns into this like huge thing that's right on your back, and I couldn't escape, or rather, I thought I couldn't escape in the mid-30s in Barcelona. In the mid-30s, not in 1930s, in my in <laughs> <30s>, Louis <laughs> my you're 30s. Not that old, love. I know, I know, I got. It became a real problem um, and I could kind of get away with it in Barcelona as well. It was a bit cheaper. I was doing bits of work. Um, I was stayed in this place for eight years and it was fine. But it, it really, it was one of the, the reason I say that is because I should have t- arrived and kept moving on. But I didn't. I got kind of stuck, if you like. Uh, the last few years were generally, genuinely depressing and awful. There's many sides to the story within that. But luckily, it's like when you're in the middle of that and you think that you can't escape or rather you need that substance. You need it, you need it, you need it. So every morning I would get up with a shaking hangover. And before people could see me, I'd go around the corner, I'd be drinking two big bottles of beer under a tree while pretending to look at my phone or something. Oh, my God. Just before able to be stopped shaking and going back. And people say, God, Greg, you don't seem to have a hangover because they didn't know I'd be having beers all the way through the day. Luckily, beer was my thing. So it wasn't too much spirits, which would just make me go pretty quickly. So, I would coast like this for a long time, but without realizing there was severe depression there and emotions and things which I wasn't dealing with. I always liked, or I thought I liked, to go down that road and talk about these things. But if you're in a state where you're filling your body with a certain substance, whatever it may be, to a high degree all the time again, I'm not against bits of these things and um, it takes over your life and you don't even realize it. So it took me, let's say, a year or two of people really saying, you know, maybe you should break. Maybe you should stop. And eventually I met someone, funnily enough, on um, a beer crawl. We were taking people out around the pub. (laughs) I know the last year of drinking and I met him and he wasn't drinking, but he was there to go to AA and his dad, who had been in AA as well. So he introduced me to it. We continued drinking for that year, um, me and this friend of mine who's a bit younger. At this point, I was about 36 years old, and no, I was 36, and that last year was just a reminder, I was working on the beach doing pointless jobs, I mean, i had been a street performer as well in Barcelona, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but I did it for three years, it was totally stupid to do it that long, because I was just, I was supplying my drinking habit, I was just doing stupid things on the street, which were reasonably entertaining, but underneath now i can say it and look back it was really soul destroying what i was doing with little bits of moments in between which were good and enough money to buy beer pay the rent all those things and then that didn't happen anymore thank god and i went and met this friend of mine so we started to look at AA. the first meeting i wasn't drunk but i'd had a few beers and that's okay in AA. people don't seem to realize that you don't you're not necessarily supposed to speak when you're drunk but you can go and you can check it out. And I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as weird as I might have thought or been told. Not did I did not know what was gonna happen or what I would do, but you have to break down your ego, you have to be vulnerable, and you have to admit that your life had become unmanageable. Now that's the first step, but these things are things that I think of. The ego needs to drop and you need to be vulnerable. If you're an addict and you're in the mode of still addictive substances, it's hard to do that because the ego takes over. You've got resentment, it's everyone else's fault, or you've got loads of self-pity and you're just off crying sometimes. you It's just, it's fucking awful, basically. Um, But it took me a year, more or less, of going in and going out and trying to get the message to eventually asking for help, which means getting a sponsor. And I was lucky I'd been there for a while, because I got to know quite a few people in there and I got an Irish guy who really is now a friend of mine to be my sponsor and asking for help. So many people don't do that. And I still not something I do every day now, but I'm 10 times better. And that's really all it was. That was one of the life-changing moments. And I remember sending the message because my friend kept telling me, just do the steps. And it's what I say to other people now and I get frustrated, but it's up to them. It's their choice. I'm like, just do the steps. I'm like, don't need it. Don't need it. No, I'm just having one beer. It's fine. If you're an alcoholic, you will go like this and then you'll be off before, you know, it could take a day, could take a few weeks. Anyway, I eventually did that, sent a message, met him that night. And since that day, I've never drank since because I realized that a disease, there's different ways of looking at it. But it's also mental and physical. I thought it was just physical, but it wasn't. And again, AA is not for everyone. And I don't agree with everything in there at all. And there's different personalities completely But I like that. It helps my ego to not necessarily agree with everything and not agree with everyone. But that's one of the principles of it. And having that connection, having a door that is fucking open. People don't realize even if you go drinking again, you can go back in. It's not a problem. People wanting to help or at least listen to you. When you go to a meeting... We're sitting here now, and it's great. You're listening to me, and I'm going to listen to you. But in normal life, we all do it, but interrupting each other is just, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. What do you think about that? I agree. I disagree. Let's have an argument. Let's all agree. Whatever. You've got a few minutes or longer where you're speaking or crying or whatever, and everyone just shuts up and listens. It's unique. And me too. When other people share, in fact, I probably get most out of it when I'm listening to other people as well, because that's what I brought into some of the workshops I did with the breath work and things when I do little sharing circles and same online that we did mm, in the beginning. Yeah. Because people don't want to explain their emotions and things like this. I try it a little bit without pushing too much. But what would happen was someone in those rooms would say something that I desperately wanted to say, but especially at the beginning, even now, but not so much I would want to express or, you know, it's not important or they're not going to agree with me or blah, blah, blah. And someone would say it and you're like, oh, it takes a shitload off your shoulders and someone else might feel the same or similar. Doesn't matter what it is, any other drug addiction or just life in general. And you could express and you could listen. And that was a game changer. And luckily in Barcelona, there's a very wide mix of people. So it's not a small meeting in a small time with the same five people that could genuinely drive you insane. And it does drive some people insane. <laughs> Yeah. For people going through all the time so from that day on um yeah I haven't drank and it's been it's been amazing which then let's fast forward again to a few years after that um, I'm, ju-
0: uh, I'm just gonna come back to AA for a second yes. there because I've done one AA meeting so um, okay. I don't know if you remember that after my spinal Fusion went wrong. Uh, I spent two years of my life in bed addicted to opioids and alcohol. And I was um, my drinking got out of control. And because of all the shit that was going on in my life, you know, uh, my mum, my sister, my two best friends dying, and my marriage was falling to pieces. And there was just so much shit going on. And I was drinking more and more and more. And then You know about my friend on Tinder who I fell for. And then uh, I thought he ghosted me and he actually died that night in his sleep. Um, And after Paolo died, I drank for England. So I found out on New Year's Eve 2019. And I spent the first three months of 2020 completely off my fucking head and face. I was so, so drunk. Uh, And eventually my children um, said to me, you need to go to AA. Uh, and I went along. And I was and I was very nervous. Uh, and I went along to the priory in West London just because it happened to be the nearest one next to me. And it was like watching blooming I mean, Saturday night TV in there, <laughs> all the celebrities. Yeah. I just go, uh, oh my god, what the fuck? Um but <laughs> it was it was a fantastic experience. I was quite surprised how God centered it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was quite so much uh on God and I um, I don't you know you said you don't believe in God and I'm going to ask you about that later um and what you do believe in but um I I for me it's the universe and I was just quite surprised and I it was also amazing how supportive mm. it, everybody was and I remember getting up and telling my story and just weeping like a banshee um you know just I couldn't stop the crying, and it was such an emotional release. And then two days later, we went into a fucking lockdown. Um, <laughs> I was like, "Hang on, I've just taken the first step, and now you've put me into a fucking lockdown for nearly two years."
1: But it's funny because <laughs> that's kind of how we met, isn't it, through Susan and and all
0: that? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because Suzanne, uh, one of uh, Paolo hashtag Paolo's women, she made me go. Um, she was just like, you know, uh, you got to go, uh, and and I did. And it, it's been, um, yeah, a strange old journey. And I know I should go back there because I still drink and I still drink more than I'd like to drink. Um, you know, I can go without it now. And I've never drunk during the day, apart from that three months in 2020. And then when they put us in a fucking lockdown, uh, me, like <laughs> most of the rest of the world, <laughs> barely put a bottle out of their hand for about <laughs> six weeks in bloody shock that I couldn't believe what was happening. It was like, what the fuck? People are believing this. Um, so, I, I will revisit that. And I would just encourage anybody uh, in the audience today, you know, um, give it a go. Um, give it a
1: go, exactly. Because it, it, if you, if I, okay, you mentioned God, and I'm going to go to my belief in God, which is okay. G O D which is Gift of Desperation. We're not talking about the universe yet, but we'll get there. But G-O-D, Gift of Desperation, that's why it's important in AA to find the people you, you kind of vibe with, right? Because there is a whole weird mix in there. And everyone's sober, drinking too much coffee, talking about their emotions, and there's, you know, some mental problems going around, but we all have them, I believe, in different varying degrees, but G.O.D., Gift of Desperation, if you feel that desperate, it, something will work in there for you. And it's, again, not just the drinking. It's about how to the process of doing the steps and thinking. I think everyone would benefit from doing the steps, but no one wants to admit their life is not manageable and things like that. But the word God is mentioned, right? But it's very important to notice this. In the 30s, there was a thing called the Oxford Group. Now, that was a bit like Alcoholics Anonymous, but it was centered on religion. I don't know if it was Christian or something, but like, you got to believe in this God and this is this thing. That was Bill Wilson, who his friend told him about this. Bill Wilson was a terrible drunk. Did he... Like the idea of the group, but he didn't like the idea of the God. So higher power is one of the main things that's mentioned in there along with God. Believe in your higher power. What is that to you? And the principle is simply to get you out of this. As Tony Robbins says, stay in your head, you're dead. If you just stay in your yeah. head and thoughts and talking to yourself all day, that's why it's good to go to a meeting or connect with friends, anyone. You've got to get out of your head in some way. Um, now, that's why I take these little things and I, I believe in them a bit more. But the word God is mentioned it's part of the principle, but it's a god of your choosing. And I wish people would get it more, but, you know, it's okay. sometimes it takes time. It's a god of your choosing, whatever you want. And it's also, remember that the big book, most of it was written in the 30s and 40s, so the language is old, and a lot of people don't get it. But again, I'm sitting in a convention this weekend I was at down the coast here, and I went to one of the late night meetings, and it was brilliant because I was surrounded by Irish and people from Liverpool. So I was in heaven, (laughs) with huge fellas talking about what they'd done in the drink and then quoting lines and paragraphs out of the big book, how their mate had helped them, how the big book had helped them, how this guy there, that guy there, which a few years ago would have been in the street beating someone up or being beaten up or whatever. That is a miracle. And a miracle is also just a change in perception. So I also believe that we're often caught ourselves, and I'm getting so much better now, caught in ourselves in our beliefs oh i believe this or this is this and that's that we've got to be able to change those beliefs over life otherwise mm. we're just going to be like this in one direction i mean i didn't get aa but eventually i think i did but in my own way it's it's different for everyone so and there's quite a lot of people i know that don't quite get it or don't want to go in there and sit in those rooms i understand it but i hope they will or do because like you said, there's a whole variety. There's musicians, there's actors, there's nut jobs, there's people who are, used to be clergymen or something. The first meetings I was in, there was a guy who was like 18 and a guy who was 81. Someone was living on the street, someone running a company. It doesn't matter. And that's what I liked about it because that's what I liked as a kid. I, I don't care whether you call yourself this, that, that, or the other, or you live on the street, whether you're running a business, you got a million pounds. Don't make no difference to me. We're all equal but different. So that's Mm, kind of what I get in there, you know, as long as a bit of madness as well, but uh, the connection, the connection very important.
0: Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to, um, I know you were going to fast forward a bit, but tell us about, because this leads on really nicely from the fact that everybody has a story to tell and a story that takes them to where they are in their life. And, you know, um, we, you know, we've both been very honest about our stories and, a lot of people find it quite hard to talk about their stories, but you did a very beautiful thing. Was it in New York that you did it where you started it? Um, where you started uh, people's stories?
1: Yeah, well, I won't, it's definitely not me who started it, but I'll give you the little um the story there and why I like it. So again, I've always been genuinely, genuinely interested in other people. I love the connection, the vibe, chatting, joking, and some people don't get me sometimes. They think I'm being too weird, but I just I I really enjoy it. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who to guess? With other people in a, in a nice way, you know. If someone's a complete dickhead, or if they think I'm a dickhead, you go your different ways. But anyway, people in general, and the anonymous side as well. It's uh, Alcoholics it Anonymous. I mean, even some people don't mention the name, but I think it's more out there now, and you can say twelve step program, whatever you want. But it is what it is. I'm not going to mention the names of people, obviously. But mm. the anonymous side of this stories thing that you mentioned, it wasn't my idea. It was a guy in. I went to New York for the first time about five years ago. And it's a dream come true, man. I loved it. And I was just going walking around everywhere with all this energy, seeing all the vibes, seeing all the, because I'm a big film freak. Our family were always into films. So I'm looking at all these places where the film has been made and I loved it. Genuinely, genuinely loved it. Dived right in there. Go to a place called Washington Square Park and it's got a bit of a freaky vibe to it. You know, there's musicians out there, there's people playing stuff and people doing art and that and people just hanging around having a cigarette. And street
0: entertainers like you used to be. Yes, like
1: me. So that's why that street entertainment I did. I don't feel bad about it. I knew underneath I was killing myself with the drinking, but I still have that kind of street life in me, which I like, man. I like it. And there I could see it, but it wasn't all like street performers. It was really people just doing anything and just hanging around as well, just hanging around. But being in New York, it was genuinely nuts. I mean, there's so many situations, but let's go to the... Um, Strangers Project and to give him a bit the stranger's project. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram. His idea. So about we'll 10 put years... the
0: link in the show. Yeah, we'll put the strangers, link out. A... Strangers, project. Strangers
1: project. About 10 years before I met him, he said he's just a guy, and I got talking to him. Well, essentially what, what it is. So you walk into Washington Square Park. And you've got like, let's say, a row of about 20 or 30 pieces of paper, A4, about four or five deep, sitting there with a few lights and a guy saying, what's your story? A big sign saying, what's your story? And you woke up and you start reading these handwritten stories that people have written, but with no name. Not like I'm a doctor and nurse or I live on the street or I'm a big company, pardon me, none of that. Just a story. So what happens there straight away when people have the freedom to express, which is another one of mine, the freedom to express, they would write anything and everything could be like a girl just drawing a picture saying I had a lovely day with my daddy or someone writing an in-depth story about how they're one of New York City's highest paid hookers and this that and the other and they do this and then someone else saying and I remember these ones specifically how like when I was 15 I I, I got pregnant and everyone told me I didn't want to have it I wanted to be a nurse that was my main thing in life but I couldn't be a nurse so I had the child this is all in one little piece of paper uh-huh. and I this and I did that. And then eventually, um, my is now 15, she's got a life. We're here in Washington Square Park, and two days ago I got my nurse degree and I'm now a nurse. I mean, that's all important. Oh my god, you can feel it straight away. What happens is people connect to the emotion. So I was there for hours, and being me, and when I'm high or like high on life, I'm chatting away to everyone and what's going on. Met a few people looking at these stories, loved it. So I would go back and help him a little bit, like he didn't need much, but just hang around. Really enjoyed it. I read many, many stories, but the whole principle, you can share what you want. People connect to the emotion. They do not connect to a fucking badge, which you have on your shirt. You know what I mean? It's you connect the emotion of this person and you're never going to know who it is. It's kind of weird, but beautiful. So I love the idea. And I asked him if I could do it. And I've done it in different places around the world, just from time to time. But it's a little bit of a passion project. I've done it here in public now recently. Yeah, now I've seen it. People need it and love it because they'll read the story and not everyone writes. You have the permission to write your own one and take the piece of paper away and you put it in the box. I don't know who you are, what it is. And the things that people write, it's amazing. But what helps again, a bit like the AA, when you're in those meetings and you're sharing or you're listening, someone will be saying something on those little mini stories that you need to express or you need to hear. And the ones that would cry the most specifically on a day I did on the beach recently was the psychiatrist. And he came up to me and they'd say, do you know how much this is needed? I'm like, yeah, I believe it. And I, I don't even know why I'm doing it. I just like doing it because I want to connect to people. And uh, But that is the project. That's what I got from him, the, uh, the Strangers Project in New York. He's quite well known on Instagram. And then I brought it into the course. I brought it into the course because we're all sitting there on the beginning of the, the coaching course, which I've got is like maybe about 20 or 30 of us. Sometimes we still call every week. Now it's self-study. But we, I came up with the idea of getting people to do that as well, but without uh, saying their name. And I would probably know because I'd see the email. I would put it in the course and people still mm-hmm. don't know who it is, but it adds another layer of connection and knowing all these people on the course. Because we do many exercises, but that was a beautiful one that I think people really liked and really liked reading the other stories of other people and hopefully express something that they maybe wouldn't normally. Yes,
0: and when when you're anonymous, you can write anything you want. Um, You know, we all knew each other quite well as a group, but I, I didn't know... Uh, who a lot of the stories were on that course, and they were, you know, we just used to email Greg just to let you know um, a story that we wanted to tell, um, but not to, not necessarily to Greg or to the group, but just wanted to talk about to get something off of our chest, yeah, um, and then it would be put in but anonymously, um, and it is it is a beautiful feeling writing when nobody knows who you are. I mean, it's very different for me because, you know, I wrote my book, The Natural Wellness Journal, and the first chapter, um, which is only six pages, I condensed it down very much, um, is kind of my story to how I got here. But I was very aware when I wrote it that I had to be respectful of people in my life when I wrote my story. I remember having this great... um, Advice on the Hay House Writers Course. When somebody asked the question, um, and it's quite a famous quote, um, and they said, "You know, what if you want to write badly about somebody?" Uh, and uh, the, the quote is, um, "If people want you to write nicely about them, they should have treated you better."
1: <laughs> yeah, why not? And
0: it's like, yeah. Um, yeah, you know. But but I wanted to be very respectful. I didn't talk about the fact that my marriage had just fallen to pieces when I wrote the book because, um, most people didn't know yet. So, you know, you, you, kept, I kept things quiet, but it's so lovely just to write and get things off your chest. And you used to do this a lot in the course. And I think this is a really good exercise for anybody that's feeling a bit crap in their life at the moment. And there's a lot of people out there that are suffering, you know, we've had a pretty hard three years and, um, Greg used to do this exercise where you would just ask us questions. And this was all on Zoom. And he'd just yeah. ask us questions and we would write the answers. And it was basically to get our creative juices going to be able to write meditations um so can you can you remember can you give us yep. any of those questions
1: so, so basically questions specifically no but what i would do what i've realized over the last few years i'm I'm pretty good at um understanding people a little bit or feeling the their emotion or the energy not necessarily like i know that person or whatever but just getting an idea of how they feel so you have all these people on zoom same as a workshop where well, it's not the same but the similar principle and i could actually spot sometimes he was feeling a bit sad he was feeling a bit high but we go through those questions before you either write a meditation or remember it was the speaking of the meditation. Because so I used to do acting classes mainly and a few small things, but I enjoyed the classes because we'd always, as a group, we'd all dive in together and we'd help each other a lot. And you have to go to the emotion in acting. I know you've done some in the past as well. You have to go to the emotion or it's just people aren't going to believe you. That's why I do believe there's quite a big similarity with the acting and the sessions or the breath work that I like to do because it go to the emotion as much as possible. But just go back to those questions. Was The idea was to get people thinking in a different way. Well, one of the things that we did, if you remember, was, okay, for example, so when people are reading a meditation or a story or whatever it may be, let's use the meditation. It can be often, because people aren't used to doing it, reasonably bland, let's say. Not always, but I've noticed it. Okay, blah blah, 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 blah. Now, without realizing, I haven't always got it right, but I'm coming from the performance background, I would add more into it quite naturally. So then one of the exercises we did in an acting class a long time ago was you have this little monologue and you say, Greg, you need to prepare your monologue for tomorrow and a small little page. You go, okay, so you have the monologue ready and you can't help but just read it as you're acting. I'm this character, I'm this thing, blah, blah, blah. And she'd get us to do this in front of the camera. And as we were doing it halfway through, she would stop. And then she would ask us to ask us to tell us a story, a real story from our life, if you remember that one. So it would be something that happened to you because people would start reading. I would start reading my um, my little thing in the acting class and it'd be like I'd be acting. I couldn't help it. Now, then as soon as she asked me to tell a real story from my life, I thought about this moment I was traveling around Spain on the motorbike and I ran out of petrol. The body language change, and I go like this, and i I'm, and I've I'm, because I can see it and feel it because it's real. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're reading a script or a meditation, you're going to go through the emotions, but are you going to make it real? So I would do that. And one of the best ones I remember was with Declan. If you I don't know if you're on the call, but it was beautiful because he was doing his thing and he's performing a little bit, but I know Declan and I know he's very emotional. He's a very caring person. So right in the middle, I would stop him and then I asked him a few questions. Sorry, yeah, it was a mixture between the the little monologue or me asking the person questions that I knew would get to the emotion. And we have to to do that. You have to have quite an open class, and they have to trust you. So that's why I would always do energy exercises at the beginning, moving around, telling jokes. But with Declan, I remember he was going through the motions, doing it well, nothing wrong with it, but he was just performing a little bit. And that's not, it's not the emotion. So then I asked him a few questions and this, that, and the other about certain things. And I knew him a little bit, so I could do that. And then before you knew it, everyone is listening to every single word he's saying because he's being real. And as soon as he got to that point where he was being emotional, real about himself, I said, right, boom, now go back and read the meditation again right now. Just go with it. And he'd do it and he'd read it. And it was totally different. We did this many times with people because... If we were to do it now, for example, or wherever, you would dive into your own little world, especially in those classes, and you'd be real, you'd tell your story. And if someone like me would inject with emotional questions, like that, normally in normal life, maybe people would think you're being rude, but because you, you create that atmosphere, I would go in at certain points and get, but what was this and how was that? And what did your dad think? What did your mum think? Why why did you do this? Hopefully in an empathetic way. So people trusted me and I trusted them and it would change it dramatically. And they go right now, go back to that meditation or the acting class, go back to your monologue. And the monologue would be completely different because I did it myself. All the things I did in the class is what I've done myself in the past. And exactly the same on the call. Now it's difficult to keep that motion forever, but that to me is the key. Otherwise you can just press play and, be in a class front of people, whereas I I again there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm of the other side where whatever I'm feeling or I want to feel or I can feel from the other people, I'm gonna put it in there and out there because it is all energetic. And I didn't realize this years ago. It's all yeah. energetic,
0: it's so, all energy,
1: yeah. So those little things make a huge difference for the person who is learning how to write or how to whether you like it or not, there's a performance in there, it's only a small amount, whether you're doing a yoga class or something else, get them to go into that state. It's really important, but it comes from all the little things I've done in my life and all the things that I've seen other people do because you don't wake up one morning and go, my God, I've got it all. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And you've got to dig into what's come from you. And it was a life coach I got after I went to a Tony Robbins seminar about six years or five years ago. And he was like, well, don't you realize what you've got over the past four or five years from stopping drinking and doing several things that can help people? Everyone's got something they've gone through, they've been through, if they're honest and if they're emotional themselves to a point, obviously without having the self-pity, but being real then you can help other people with that. It doesn't mean their story is the same. It doesn't mean you're the same, but if you're opening up yourself and you, then you bring them in and they open up, they're gonna discover something about themselves and they're gonna be a better coach, a better um, healer, a better therapist, whatever it may be. I, think I always- don't
0: like that. I don't like that word healer. I'm gonna pick you up on it because um, I, I I don't, I I, I, none, none of us are healers. What we are are facilitators. To teach people how to heal themselves, it's that okay. simple. Yeah, no, uh, but sure, but that sure. is you know what a lot of us uh, are, are trying to do. I mean, that's yeah. I my life has completely turned upside down in the last two years, and it's only two, I mean, two years ago, honestly, Greg, I didn't know how to use social media, did I? I couldn't use no. any tech. I couldn't I couldn't you even be on a fucking right. I, on a Zoom. I was just and and you know I just pushed myself past the comfort zone because. So many people need help out there now. Mm. And, I, and I was very much of the belief that, you know, this wasn't going to happen on my watch, you know, everything that happened in the world. Um, uh, and, yeah. you know, there's no money in healthy people and and they don't want us to be healthy. Uh, and so this is really down to us guys to sort this out because they're, they're really not going to tell you all the amazing things that you can do for your health. And I think... Just on that note, most of the people that I've admired and I've learned from have all got these stories. We've yeah. all got these stories. You know, Greg's got it, I've got it. Niraj soma has got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the most famous one is Dr. Joe Dispenser, you know, who yeah. had a, a hell of a, a time. Uh, but but people don't go into this normally. My, my mentor for EFT and Matrix Reimprint, um, you know, she talks very honestly about the fact that how many times she tried to commit suicide and she even failed at that because she just believed, you know, she just said, I'm a failure um and so you know we go on these journeys and it takes us to where we are now um trying to help whoever we can and um so if anybody is out there today and they feel their life is completely completely shit um know that you follow a lot of good people who have transformed them you know go and look at joe dispenser go and look at um Oh, there's a wonderful woman. I have her book, The Lost Book of Herbal Remedies. And she was in a wheelchair with MS. And they were just kind of saying, we are just going to die. And she went, no, I'm not. And she went and wrote this phenomenal book, which has been a Bible to me. Um, and I share a lot of her work, uh, Nicole Applet- Appletain. Appletain, I can't remember. Uh, but um, so then take us forward to um, How I Met You and The breath work. And explain how the breath work combined with the music and the dancing and the movement and the intention, setting the intention, um, how that is completely different to just meditations. Because so many people, you know, will put on a meditation album and it's somebody talking in a very soft, gentle voice and it's, um, you know, uh, I'm going to be honest, it's boring as fuck. Uh, There's a lot of them out there. I hope people don't say that about mine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't matter because the beauty of it is it's different strokes for different folks. But yeah, yeah, on that with the breath again for me. So I'm pretty like, I'm not always like this, but I'm quite active and I'm always moving around. And I enjoyed, okay, quickly going to transcendental meditation. Really helped me because it quietens the mind. I did it for about a year nonstop. I've tailed off a bit recently, but I like it. Then went to, someone introduced me to Wim Hof.
0: Can you just I, explain what that is? Um,
1: in, yeah. in my simple layman's terms, what yeah. I know as is simply a mantra that you repeat very slowly in your mind for roughly 15 to 20 minutes once or twice a day. They say the mantra is specific for you, but it isn't. But I do respect what they do and I'm glad I did the course which is basic but teach me how to do it with other people. So you're simply repeating a man <clears throat> pardon me, a mantra very slowly which they give you. There are some slight variants between them. And you just sit there in silence. And first of all, the mind is going bing, bong, bong, boom, bing. But the idea, one of the, the metaphors they give is like the ocean. The top of the ocean is always moving like this and going around. And the idea is to transcend down to a point with the bottom of the ocean, for example, where it's still calm and quiet. And this amazed me by giving me so much more energy and less reactionary. So I think it's one of the most powerful ones for me. I'm often thinking too much and moving, but that's how I can explain it in a very simple way. It's basically... Brilliant. Thank I'm you. At...
0: Thank you. Just a lot of uh, the audience won't know. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. For... yeah,
1: And also I think it's funny because I, okay, quickly as well. I, I agree because I didn't know what meditation was and all these things were about seven, eight years ago. And I was put off a bit by like the spiritual, this, that. And I just didn't understand it. But it was David Lynch who did a documentary on Transcendental Meditation. And I like David Lynch. I like the way he talks. I like the way he's slightly mad, but totally creative. I watched that and that's how I got into it. It wasn't because my path in is not the normal path, you know, so it's him. And then fast forward to Breathwork, which is Wim Hof as an introduction. He's not the one that knows everything. There is no one, but it's because of his character. I liked him. I liked the way he spoke about it. And that then got me into it. So hopefully, yeah, with you doing these things as well and people just being free to talk about whatever, it doesn't make it something that's outside of us. It's something that's inside of us. And it's simple. And not that many people do it. And if anything... One of my principles in my mind with what I'm doing with the business is kind of all my like, tricking people into meditation because it's breath work. Now we fast forward to the breath work part. Breath work to me is, is what we do in it is an active meditation. And is it that? It could be described as something else, but there's the basis of Wim Hof and then Raj coming in with Soma and then me just changing slightly all these things as well, coming up with like a lot with the workshop ideas. That's where I like to do those things as well. And then changing the rhythm and all these things. But principally, you got a visualization, which is usually led by the person. I always say I'm guiding the people. Maybe it's uh, looking at a, a day in the future, which is perfect. Maybe it's releasing something from your past. You can go into traumas and things if you're doing one-on-one, but I believe you have to be very aware with that. I haven't done it too much, but essentially a brighter future or feeling the emotion, a lot like Joe Dispenza. I bought his book at the same time I got into the breath work, uh, Becoming Supernatural. And reading that and listening to how he describes it, it fascinated me. He, he, like with many people, is one of the big influences because you've got to visualize these things and see them. But we want to get it out of our conscious and into our subconscious because the subconscious is ruling our lives from all the patterns of a childhood and also the adulthood. 95% of your day and all that is actually run by the subconscious, how you hold this how you move there, how you're going to look at a person, you're going to react to them because it's something to do with your past. So if we can break that slightly by genuinely seeing and feeling in your body. So I'm walking down the road today and something happens and I have a thought which goes directly to someone, a resentment or whatever. I feel maybe a little bit angry just by thinking. And that produces that state in my body. So if I know I'm doing that, I'm making myself angry for no one in front of me, but my own fucking mind, then I can do it the other way where I can start to see that future and feel it. Like I'm going traveling at the end of this month again for around Asia, and I've been doing it for months. I bought the ticket, but I've been doing it for months where I'm seeing all these places. I'm seeing what I'm going to see, not exactly, but I'm feeling the emotion, how I'm going to be, where I'm going to be, who I think I'm going to be with, and I know because I've done it so much in the past that I know I'll go towards that, but I'll go towards it with that emotion, which means I'll meet that emotion there. I'm kind of going everywhere here. but it's Yeah, constantly-
0: no, 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 but it's, it's very interesting because, um, you know, with Soma, with your work, with a lot of work, it's all about feeling it in your body because we are, I was lucky enough to do a, um, a weekend workshop with the amazing Dr. Bruce Lipton. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, He's coming on the podcast.
1: Great. Epigenetics, outside yeah. of the gene. I didn't know about that till him.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's an amazing, amazing weekend. And um, yeah, everything that he talks so much about the subconscious mind and everything, you know, epigenetics and everything got put on and down to our DNA when it meant fuck all. Um yeah and it is just the energy vibration yeah. that we live on you know in EFT and Matrix we call it the wall which is the the bricks that are put in place in the first seven years of your life You yeah. know, your your friends your family your teachers your your church your <laughs> you know, your religion um and that's your wall that's that's built and then we spend virtually the rest of our life until the day we die trying to fucking knock that wall down um <laughs> A meditation for me has been an absolute root. But the other thing that, and I think you've kind of touched on this, and I'll get you to touch on it a bit further, that the reason that the kind of stuff you guys do works for me with the music and the breath work is I have a very ADHD brain. Um, So I'm all over the place, ADHD, dyslexic, you name it. Um And I I was never able to meditate and I thought it was shit anyway. So I'm just like, well, I'm not fucking doing that because that doesn't work. Um and, and I tried it a couple of times when life was really, really bad. And I just thought, I'll give it a go. Uh, and I couldn't do it. And I just thought, nah. Uh, and then when I discovered you guys on that Soma retreat, and I learned that just by dancing and shifting your energy yeah. and the breath work, and then the and feeling that passion in your body the emotions of you know everything that you want to feel is a game changer and i actually think everybody should be meditating i mean i try when i can to do 2 hours a day okay um so i'm pretty hardcore now for a, a girl that didn't like anything um but you know there are sometimes that I can only do half an hour in the morning, and then I'll catch up when I get to bed. But I have to do it. I I know my day will run me unless I run my day, and how I do that is with my meditation.
1: Well, again, it goes back to um, really the timing was right with Joe Dispenza, and I'm not into one person or the other, but just bits of influences, you know. And I like I like to hear people the way they speak about it if it if it connects with me. But seeing that thing. Feeling that even if it's as simple as because some people have difficulty with visualizing. And this is important. What I learned over the many sessions I've done. Some girl said to me one day, oh, I really struggled. I couldn't see this, that, and the other da, da, da. I'm like, and then she felt bad. I'm like, okay. Next time, what you want you to do is think of an emotion and you give make it a, like, you know, something you want to feel most basic happy. OK, you want to feel happy. Then you see that as a color and you just let it expand. And from that simple suggestion, she could see the color, see it expanding, seeing it getting bigger, almost like a cloud. Then it kind of broke the visualization thing and she could start to visualize more because it's in there for everyone. Usually yep. maybe things from the past, little images. But you got to go to the good stuff, I believe, unless you're specifically going towards the trauma. We're going towards something bright and beautiful. You want feeling that in your body. You're creating that emotion. You're creating that vibration. You're sending it out there. And then you're going to meet it far more easily in the streets, in your life, in the near future. Yeah. I believe to make it that simple. But we'll mix that with the breathing, beautiful music, whatever music you like, whether I'm like a huge fan of just the music I like. I mean, our Paul did the music for the course, so it's there. And Soma have their music, and William Hof as well. But I also just choose classical, rhythmical things that I particularly like. And everyone mentions the music, how it combines with the with the sorry with the meditation, with the visualization and the breathing, uh, because you're also creating a different energetic state in the body completely. That like you're going into a trance, but at the same time you're also producing these feel good hormones. You're playing with your kundalini energy. I did it just recently up the coast with these people. And it's like only 20 minutes, man, because I do all the jumping around and a little bit of art meditation at the beginning as well. And they loved it because they didn't expect it. And another key uh, on the meditation or the breathing side is whoever you are, do it in your own way. I'm reasonably active. I can definitely be calm and definitely I'm listening to people and listen to the emotion and be emotional but I'm quite active so I bring that in and people don't don't expect it like you say with the dancing mm. you know bring that into every single session whether it's one minute or 10 minutes but you know if you're doing things quickly it changes the energy moves it around yeah and then if you are in a class connect with other people I think that miss is missed so much I do lots of one-on-one exercises in the one-hour class you do it quick connect with other people if you're on your own you will definitely feel better by doing that rhythmical breathing, changing the pace, whether it's Wim Hof, Soma, the many or the myriad of breathing techniques out there, all based on Pranayama, and visualize something all right beforehand. Like Joe Dispenza says, what are the emotions that you don't want to feel today? What are the emotions that you do want to feel? Or what is it you really want to do with your day? Write that down. But like two minutes, man, Let's not, you don't have to write a book. Don't want to feel that. Okay, see it. Don't want to feel that. Next one, I want to feel this, I want to do that. that Without getting too specific on this little exercise, and write that down and see it. And then see if you can manage to change your day in that way. I used to do three or four, five minutes of breathing. And I just think the universe is working with me. The universe is working with me. Simple stuff. And in Spain, I would do it here. And I had to go to the council this particular day. The universe is working with me. The universe is working with me. And if you've ever been to the council in Spain, you know that it's very difficult to get what you want. But this day it was (laughs) like- I think it is with
0: any council. Yeah,
1: but it was like tick, 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 tick. Because my entire vibe was different walking in. Was totally different. Yeah. And you, got I, I... A, you got a little one there, though. Sorry, it's just to remember those things. Because if you don't have leverage to do the meditation, to do the breathing, to do whatever it is, there's a million ways of doing it. If you don't have the leverage to know that it's going to make you feel better or that something in your life has gone well, it could be something tiny then you've got to wonder, you've got to remember those things. It's like, oh, today was different. Why was it different? Because I did this and this. Yesterday was shite. Why was it shite? Because I didn't do this and this. As a small example, you know, you've got to have the leverage to do it, otherwise you won't do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do something called my blessing ball of light. Okay. Um, I'd love to say I do it every morning, but there are mornings I don't, and, and that's when my day runs me. But I just rub my hands together and then hold the energy in front of my heart, and I just call it my day. And then into my day, I put everything that I'd like to happen. I did it when I was building um, my home um, that one day will be a a great center for healing, but we're not quite there yet, but it will be. Uh, But when I was building it and... I couldn't get anybody on site and I really needed everybody on site. I needed the electrician. I needed the plumber. I I needed the fire fitter for the wood burning stove who I've been trying to get for a fucking year. And he just never, ever responded. You know, he'd go, yeah, yeah, next week, next week. And it's like, oh, my God, Uh, I needed the roofer in because he needed to work with the the fire fitter for the flu coming out the chimney. Uh, You know, all these people I needed and the roofer was only here for, you know, kind of a month and then. Uh, And he'd been off the job for ages and I didn't know if we'd ever get him back. And so I put my blessing ball of light in place that everybody that I needed was on site when I drove to the site and it was an hour and a half drive every day. Um, And I drove here and uh, I just visualized them all here. And I got here, every single fucking one of them was here. And the roofer had fallen off a roof two weeks earlier and broken his back and wasn't meant to be out of bed and said, and I said, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I just fancy coming over today and seeing how it was. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck?
1: What the fuck?
0: I mean, yeah. it, it's incredibly powerful stuff, this.
1: Yes, yes, it totally is. Well, And that, that makes me link a little bit to the last year or two. I'm starting to feel it more. They were far more than the physical body. We're like 99.999% energy and 0.1% matter. But we're all involved in this matter. We always will be. We're still human. We're still neurotic. We're still ego. All that shit, man. It's all there. But if you can understand where energy, what you're putting out there is going to come back to you. But also important yeah. with meditation, which I didn't know. Number one, it can be calming or actually a little bit awakening if you add, you add the breath with it. But you're calming your analytical mind. Just call it the monkey mind. Hopefully you're calming. And remember, the meditation is a bit of a practice. You know, you have to practice a little bit to get to a point where you're, yeah. you're reaching it quite quickly. So calming that analytical mind is the key to stopping going, junk, 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 thinking, washing machine, got to do this, which is 99% of our day, you know, blah, blah, blah. Calming that, and then you got some beautiful music, which will definitely help, and then visualizing, feeling that emotion of that thing. There's like the basic one that Joe talks about is, um, so you want to be in love, but you walk down the street and you're looking at people who are like in relationships, you're like, fucking hell, I wish you had a wife or a girlfriend, or, you know, blah, 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 blah. blah feel that you are already in love or she's with you or he's with you. And doesn't mean you have to walk down the road or like this, but just have that feeling that you have it with you and know that you're going to meet that tomorrow, a year, 10 years, whatever. It's those kind of principles that I can relate to. And if you calm that analytical mind, you're not just thinking about it because that law of attraction doesn't work for me because we're just thinking about it here. And many times it doesn't work for me, but many, many, many times it has. Because I've done the practice and I've managed to calm myself as well as see it, feel it. And before you know, if you have a little bit less fear, you're on a path. My particular path has taken me to like, what, 17, 18 countries I've done breathwork sessions in now. Because it's just part, it's a tool for me. It's not Mm -hmm. my number one thing or anything. It's a tool that I like, helps me connect, helps me travel. You can do anything with these things, you know. And that's why as well, the final point on that for me and meditation and things is, if you do like it and you're interested, then when you teach other people, you learn. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but I think I'm a reasonable teacher because I'm dead real. I get You're really authentic, Greg, all the time. Even when I fall over, when I swear, when I get it wrong, when I get it right, because I'm out there and I'm being real, I'm constantly learning. If I need to teach something, I need to understand it a bit more, but then I need to know that I'm going to learn off other people. At the very beginning, I was like... What if I do a class and, and there's someone who's been doing yoga for years and they know more about the science than me? Oh my god, oh my God. And then I just let all that shit go and I was just me. I'm gonna get mm. stuff wrong. But when you teach, you learn. I think that's um, that's Absolutely. Key as
0: well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case in the mainstream educational systems of the world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Some of my teachers were lovely, some of them were shanked.
0: Yeah, but they're, yeah. They're, they're programmed to tell you what to think, you know, none yeah. of it is, is you know, based on um, anything I trust anymore, really, or anything that's any use to us anymore, for fuck's sake, you know, the amount of time that's spent on mass when everybody's got a phone and a calculator is like, okay, yeah. so just let the people that really love maths do maths and leave the rest of us alone. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But there's another thing when you're either getting with whatever practice it is, it could even be running and stuff. There's forms of meditation. And when I have my bicycle ride at night down here in Barcelona. I love it. Music on, riding away for 10, 20 minutes. I'm in a meditative state. But what was my point? When you get to a point where you're not constantly in fear, by looking at the fucking news or whatever it may be. And I don't want to push everything aside because I'm not that like gung ho, but there's a lot of bullshit around when you're not in a state of fear and you're thinking for yourself, you'll be able to make your own choices easier, a lot easier, yeah. you know, yeah, and abso- you absolutely. What, are you, what you want to do. I'm hopefully I'm constantly changing and evolving or looking for things. And it's not to be anyone. It's the opposite for me. It's to be nothing, no one, nowhere type of thing. You know, I, it doesn't matter, but, hopefully having the freedom and the choice to do whatever I want to do. It's like money in abundance. I mean, I don't have much, but I have different things going on and I have more than enough to live my life and travel around and do what I want. But I didn't have that before because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. Yeah, believe- This is
0: it. You, you do believe it. I mean, I, I, when I look at what's happened in, in the last two years of my life, you know, this time, two years ago, I hadn't, um, I hadn't even written a book. I mean, I, I, I kind of just signed up to write a book in 2020 and I just kind of thought, oh my God, I've never written a book. I'm dyslexic. How am I going to do this? And I didn't know how to cut and paste on a computer. Nothing. I mean, nothing. Um, I I wrote it all by by hand. Um, And, you know, two years down the line, I've got a book, uh, I've got a podcast, I've got a social media following, even though, you know, trying to get my information out, even though they take me down sometimes. Um, I've got a meditation album out. Uh, I'm meeting the most amazing people and working with the most amazing people that I could never have dreamed of. And it's because I just became so open. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody kind of looks at me and thinks, oh, you you know, you come from a money background and you're posh or whatever. But my parents were so poor, you know, we used to have tomato sandwiches for tea because my dad didn't grow cheese. And, you know, we lived in a little wooden bungalow that was so, so cold, that, but we weren't allowed, there was no heating in it apart from a, a fire in the living room. Uh, and she had a bath, mum had a bar fire. And um, we had to have ice on the inside of our window, not on the outside, on the inside of our bedroom windows to be able to call mum and she'd bring us the bar fire to get dressed in front of, to go to school. And I've done all of this myself because I've just... I always believed. I never believed I couldn't do anything. Um, Mm. People say, well, how do you do that? Um, You can't design beautiful houses on the back of a fag packet. And I go, contraire. I can, actually. (laughs) Because I just believed. I I always, always believed I could do everything.
1: Well, belief, and this is what I got told recently, I did the Akashic Records, and belief and faith. So faith's a funny one. Um, Years ago, I would have been like, faith is just religious, and this, that, and the other. But it's not. Belief and faith are very similar. Faith in something, but a belief that you can do things. You've got to actually feel it. And I mentioned that to someone recently in AA about certain things. And you're not going to get it until you believe in it, until you have faith in yourself and in the process. Whether you believe you're right or wrong, if you believe you're right, and not in like an argumentative sense, but in a sense of doing something for yourself, it will happen. It might not happen in the way you want it, but it'll happen. You know, I okay. mean, to me, like you're talking about all the things you've been doing. I haven't done the same things, but I've done many, many, many different things. In my own yeah. principle about life the past year, the more I think about it, it's just experience. I believe we're actually souls, man. We've come down, we're here living in these bodies, and we're not going to be another Greggy again. We might be something else. I don't really know, but I've started to believe it and I feel it differently now. I'm not f- thinking about dying. I'm not thinking about what money I need before I die or this, that, the other. Do I have kids? Don't I have kids. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I'm I'm still human. I'm still totally stressed and fucked and weird and want this and that. But I'm trying my best to let go of that shite and then see what happens and experience. Nepal, I wanted to go to Nepal for ages. It's been a thing. And then boom, I'm like, yeah, I want it. I want to see it. I want to feel it. I don't know what's going to happen. But I want to see and experience how those people live. Because I'm living here now and I'm also growing away from the city naturally. Like Barcelona is pretty fucking amazing as a city, but I'm growing away from the energy a little bit. And I can see myself with the house on the coast somewhere with the high up in the view... And like, oh, I haven't got the money for this. I haven't got the money for that. Bollocks, I'll find it, man. Do you know what I mean? If that's what I want, if that's what I keep seeing. But it's got to be all about experience, I think. Uh, But you've got to get off your ass, man. And I've been many times when I haven't. This particular winter, wasn't doing much. Early summer, I started to really change things. And I'm like, I want this, that. I want to see that. I want to do that. That's what gives you the momentum. Then your soul's happy. Because I'm a believer as well. So I've got a little ukulele. And I can't play loads of songs or anything, but I just love fucking around with it. I'm very musical without necessarily being technically musical, but very musical. I love your ukulele. Oh, it's great. And then you can just it's play absolutely around. Absolutely brilliant. Well, for me, when I'm just in there lost with the cats sitting around me playing the ukulele. My soul is in the flow because I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just happy. If I've got a beautiful song I'm listening to that I really like, if I'm on the bicycle because it's like bicycle riding, I'm just in the flow. And that to me is when the soul's happy. It's like the little moments in acting. You've done it as well. In acting class, it was for me, the little moments, very rare when you get it and the audience would feel it and vice versa if your friends were doing it and you were in the audience. That's the spirit. That's the flow because you're not thinking. You don't even realize you've got it but something just happens. And it's just yeah. a natural little thing. And um, all these words, which I used to be dismissive of, I'm actually getting into and using more now because it, 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 I feel it, man. I feel it and it works.
0: Yeah, no, I I get that. I've, I've just had this weird experience this year where um, a, a sound of my voice from a clip from a podcast has gone absolutely viral on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, and when I wrote it, and it's from my book, and when I wrote it, I, I didn't think it, was particularly good you know I I just kind of wrote it and it's um in religion we call it spirits in science we call it energy and all the streets we call it a vibe all I'm saying is trust it you can't fake a frequency uh, and it's gone mental and it just seemed to have resonated with so many people on the streets uh, I'm so touched and so overwhelmed by it but it just Um, And so grateful to every single person that shared it. It's, it's just, it's mad, but it's, it is that energy, that vibe, you know, that we, you know, in religion, they do call it spirits and, you know, um,
1: and the vibe that we put out there, but also making the action that so many people don't do anything, at least you're writing the book, you're doing the podcast, you're doing the, whatever it may be for you, you know, it might not be right for someone else, but you're doing it. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely.
1: And you, I could sit here forever and come up with a million ideas, which I do, but like recently I'm like, okay, let's start putting them into action just a little bit. And then also remembering what you have put into action and how that does work. But you've got to get off your heart a little bit and do it, which is is really good, you know.
0: So I want to take you a little bit further on your journey. Um, we've talked about the breath work and the meditation and everything, and I know that you've got an interest. You found recently an interest in in plant medicine. Um, yes. so can you talk to us because this is something that fascinates me, um, and I am desperate. To do mushrooms and to microdose, and I haven't quite had the courage to do it. Um, and you've you've just had a full ayahuasca experience, haven't you? So can, can you talk to us about how that is different, or is it meditation? You know, is it the same thing? What is what is it?
1: Definitely not meditation. Um, so first of all, again, coming from the coming from part of my life being the AA world and all um, oh, against all drugs and stuff like that. You no. Know, I don't believe they're drugs, not in the classification, totally classified wrong. Psychedelics, um, ayahuasca as well, uh, can really, really help with addictions. I can't go completely into the science because I don't know it. I know little bits, but... Over the past five years I've had ayahuasca, plant medicine, which it is a medicine now I yeah. know, um, about five times. But the first four times were quite small, powerful, and had some very good visions actually on the third one I did, but small daytime sessions, and then you'd be home in the evening because there's... People don't realize, oh, my God, I'm going to be tripping for the rest of my life. No, you come down. But it's key to, before I even mention any of this, I did it all in a therapeutic sense or a therapeutic stroke ceremonial sense without all having to wear some special, special clothes and what have you. But I did it in a therapeutic ceremonial sense, and I think that's key. It's not just taking mushrooms and walking around and getting drunk. If you want to do that, great, but it's a very different thing. So the mushroom, the ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, about, this was the fifth time recently, and it was in a place called casacuration.com. casacuration.com. We'll put the link below because I know yep. these people and I trust them. An English couple, who have opened their own place in Alicante, and they built this whole place from an old um, building that they found there, and they bought the land. They're going self-sufficient. They're almost there. Beautiful. Simple, but really beautiful, and it's expanding. Now, I'll stick with this particular experience because it was done over two days. It's the two and a half days, Friday night, Friday afternoon until Sunday afternoon. And there's only a small group, about 10 people. I wouldn't recommend doing it with too many more than that. I've heard of big, big groups, and I don't think the, the energy can be handled. I've done it several times before. It was nice, but it, I called it a spiritual car wash. It wasn't like... Totally life changing. But this one, and with a little bit more knowledge of of myself, and I've also done Akashic Records recently, I have also have a therapist that I speak to now from time to time. I just think it's actually helpful to ask questions and get a response. So I'm feeling all right, okay, and I'm open to it. And it was called. This guy called me and mentioned it. I'm like, okay, I'll go because, again, people he knew and I trusted him and he trusted them. That's an important one as well. Like in all these therapies and bases, there could be some charlatans. So check out who you're going it with. But CASA Curation, highly recommend them. That's why I mention it so much. So I went there for the weekend and we're meeting each other. We're talking. What happens with these weekends for me? or times when I do this, like I did the boom festival in July and I did a big session for a thousand people, but there was 33,000 people there. When I arrived, it's the most beautiful place and beautiful vibe. But the first two days I'm walking around going, my mind was telling me that this person's thinking that or what, that like as if I was in a city and I was judging them, I was judging them. And then it took me two days to realize I'm the one that's judging myself. And I'm mm-hmm. mentioning this because it ties in a little bit with this weekend. You meet people, you do it straight away. You can't help whether it be a good judgment or a bad judgment or they remind you of someone else and you get triggered, whatever. It wasn't quite like that, but I definitely had judgments at the beginning. By the end of that weekend, by going through the process that we did, it it was a totally different experience because I wasn't judging their mental state or their name. I was judging them as a whole fucking person and the things we spoke about or the things I would experience and feel with them. Changes everything. Now, ayahuasca is definitely a plant medicine. How what it is? You have to ask someone else. But I trust. No, these- I will do.
0: I mean, it's yeah. it's um, being talked about. Psychedelics are being talked about so much at the moment as a you know as a medicinal plant medicine that's exactly what it is exactly um, what it
1: is and it can help with addictions as well because look you're you're stripping away this mind again now you talk about meditation i don't think it is like that i think it's far far deeper it does not mean you're going to go there and just see all these beautiful things the guy two two beds away from me or like we're on the floor type of thing he was seeing many many terrible things and demons and vomiting out demons and telling them to go away the darker spirits I wasn't going that way, but I saw different things that I felt like I could dive into my subconscious. That's what it does for me on this one. It helped bring out things from the subconscious. I saw little Greggy because it was... Time to actually look at some of the points in my life. And after my mom had died, I had days when I was young, where I'd just be crying my eyes out, not for the whole day, but moments when you just, it would happen. And I went in and I saw little Greggy, clear as day. Saw little Greggy, saw my situation in the family, and the household and how sad he was. Not always, I was pretty much a happy kid, but these little moments. And that little kid still hasn't healed completely. Mm. Uh, he's 10 times better but he still hasn't healed completely. And I made sure, and I could feel it and I can talk to you about it now because I could feel it and see it. that I was there right in the middle of this trip where your body and your and your spirit is totally awakened, but also kind of, you need to vomit sometimes to purge, to let yep. these things out, which sounds weird, but you feel weird and you kind of hold on going, oh, I just feel weird when you're holding on. And then when you eventually let go, You feel fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing.
0: Oh, God, I've got to try
1: it. You've got to try it. But I went in there. I could see little Gregory. I could communicate with him. I just told him I was here for him. And I also realized that my mom has always been with me. And all the girlfriends I've had. That sounds bad. That sounds like there's (laughs) a lot. Like there's a handful of like actual girlfriends. (laughs) been Long relationships that I've loved. That um, I'm not with now, but like I could feel that she was part of that and involved in this in some kind of way, in some way of communicating with me. Sounds weird, but it's not. I could feel the spirit around me in within the session. I was asking for guidance. I don't think we do that enough. We sit there and judge or question, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Just fucking do it. And I asked, I said, just guide me. Give me some help. Tell me what you want me to do. And I would just start accepting things and feeling things in a very different way, mixed in with vomiting, mixed in with feeling good, mixed in with going to the toilet for a number two, where you wake up and you're like, wow, you feel amazing. For me, other people, it was slightly different. Some people didn't purge. On the second night, within the middle of this, by the way, you'd have integration and connection and food afterwards in a very relaxed way. Very cool, very chill, sharing your experience, the second day, we'd do some more sharing and talking and just relaxing outside. Then we go again in the nighttime after with a slightly different mix. And then the first night was physical. And I had worms this year from Asia or for years, I don't know, and I got rid of them. But I lost a bit of weight and the belly hasn't been great at all last year and it's still affected. So on the first night, I could feel that, but I didn't mind. I knew it was coming. I knew to feel bad before I felt good. And I did feel good. But the second night was far more visual, far more open. And when I purged, I actually found the the djembe drum. And I mentioned at the beginning, I got lost inside the drum. And I'm not just mentioning it because, oh, I played a bit of music. They have music playing loud all the time, various types and moments of silence, which can be painful, but great, because you have to look inwards. Why am I yeah. Then the music was there and I've loved this song. And I said, can I play the djembe? They're like, yeah, I did not stop for 30 minutes. I didn't even know it was a 30 minute track that went on and on and on with Turkish singers and, and drummers in the background and me going. Judals. And I looked up once in a while and everyone's just standing around moving and dancing. And it's like trying to tribal rhythm, even though half the people were vomiting before, but all dancing around, which isn't always the case, I believe, in ayahuasca. Going for it, and I absolutely loved it. I've never played like that in my life because I wasn't thinking. I wasn't worried about anything. I felt so good inside that I could feel the music in every part of my body. And I was playing the djembe like a fucking freak, man. But it was absolutely beautiful at that moment. I mixed that with the connection of other people, feeling the energy at a similar time, but everyone having a different experience connecting with all these people, having calls afterwards where we've got things to write about. We've got calls. We go on Zoom calls and we connect with the other people as well individually. That's a very, very, very good way of doing it. People talk about going to Peru and places. I don't know about that. But the other sessions, like I mentioned, were one day... You'd be home at nighttime, time. bit of integration, not much, but I think integration with all these things is key. So you're looked after afterwards in case things have come up that you don't know how to deal with. Because it's not a box of chocolates, it's your subconscious and your physical. Mm. And maybe it's your soul, I don't know, that's mixing together and going to reveal things to you a little bit. Final point on the ayahuasca, the third time or second time I did it, it was a powerful mix, and I remember I was sitting there, and the first time I didn't vomit when I felt ill, and the guy said, Greg, same guy I did it with afterwards, I want you to make yourself sick if you feel ill, because we kind of resist it. Oh, I feel a bit bad. I'm going to be okay. No, it's fine. you got to get that shit out. So I was told to release the darkness within me. So this second time happens, it was a bit stronger and I was was feeling it and actually the whole ceiling was bouncing like this. I could see it moving. (laughs) Music he was playing was the music I gave to him, this classical music by Max Richter. Loved it. I was in another world, but I was starting to feel ill. So I started to go like this and to vomit. Not much was coming out at all and I was, okay, I don't feel that bad. And I thought, I have to get the darkness out of me. I have to get the darkness out, which is when I looked up, and the whole ceiling was bouncing like this. It was beautiful. People crying, vomiting, but it's still together as a group. And I could see this huge, big black kind of eagle or bird coming towards me. And I was, I was tripping. And I looked up at it and I said, that's the darkness in me. And I accept you. I accept the darkness in me. And it literally flew away right in front of me. Oh, was wow. Because I accepted it. How many times we were trying to be someone great, trying to be good, trying to be this. Bullshit. We're yin and yang, man.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why, you know, I I, I do a lot of shadow work um, and, and talk a bit about shadow work, because, you know, the, the shadow is the part of you that you don't like. That's what Peter Pan is based on, you know, kind of, right. um, you know, that part. Uh, and I also want to mention the film Avatar, because um, James Cameron, apparently when he wrote that movie, that was because of an experience that he had in Peru. Doing my
1: okay. um, well, apparently so.
0: James Cameron, if you'd like to come on and, and talk about <laughs> it, I'd be really grateful.
1: <laughs> come on, James.
0: <laughs> okay. We are running out of time. And I, I just okay. before we go, I have to talk to you about my favorite meditation of yours, which is up on YouTube. Uh, and, and tell us why you wrote it and what it's called.
1: Okay, your favorite meditation, and actually yeah. my most popular meditation on YouTube, I don't have a million followers, but enough, is uh, the fuck it meditation. Now, it's 15 minutes. It's not just a meditation. It's breathing, but it's not like long, long breathing and long, long breath holds. It's short. It's sweet. It's rapid, then slow, then holding your breath out, holding your breath in. But in the mix of all this, a couple of minutes to warm you up with, like, what are those things that are bothering you? What do you need to let go of? Just tell it to fuck it and let that shit go and stuff like that. It's because someone mentioned one day about a guy that couldn't get into meditation. he needs something different. And literally within 10 minutes, I just wrote that in my mind, wrote it down. and like I had the music already and just recorded it straight away because I felt it directly because there's so many meditations that are about love, light, liberty and all this. And they're great, but loads of people want to be able to just fuck off. Fucking hell. <laughs> the shit And it's rapid breathing. Me in the background, like I've given it to people who know me and they said they couldn't do it because they're laughing because I'm just like, let it go, release the shit. But with some serious stuff in there, but hopefully by the end, 15 minutes, you will have released a bit of shit. You have the freedom to be able to kind of say, fuck it and let it go. Uh, People really like it. And yeah, it was your favorite one straight away. Fits you like it. uh,
0: Yeah, I remember in... Oh, surely not in one of the lockdowns when I have my daughter and her friends over. Uh, It must have been between lockdowns. Uh, (laughs) uh, But I remember calling you and going, my daughter's here with a load of friends. And they were kind of like 16, 17. I said, have you got a really good meditation with swear words in? Because none of them want to meditate and do breath work with me. And you went, yeah, I've just recorded one uh, and you, you <laughs> sent it to me and right. i had them all doing fuck it. And uh, and we have fun. And even if they didn't meditate, we had a lot of fun and we laughed. Yeah. And that is also important. Totally. So where can people find you?
1: People can find me at infinitebreathworks.com. They've become a breath coach. The unique breath coach is one of my courses on there. There will be more courses coming soon. Infinite Breath on YouTube infinite breath stroke infinite stories because now I do the stories on Instagram and um, yeah that's about it
0: oh it has been such a joy to talk to you good my friend <laughs> good uh Greg Mannion oh and I will actually just say before I go that next week in in celebration of this episode I'm actually going to put out one of my meditations from my yes. album uh so this week you're going to have a laugh and then next week i'm going to be a bit
1: serious (laughs) that's good i mentioned as well our paul made the music no is that correct yeah
0: no i mentioned paul paul mannion at the beginning um i did i did mention paul and we'll put him in the show notes he wrote the completely fantastic music for for my album uh it has been an absolute joy knowing the mannion brothers um we've had a gas so uh so anyway guys go and find greg mannion uh, and have a wonderful rest of your day thank you very much for joining me here on the wellness way goodbye